Hey there, I'm Lucas Fitz. If you know me, you know two things to be true. I love a good pair of denim, and I'm always here for the stories. When I first got into the heritage goods movement and buying intentionally, I looked to American Field as an industry leader in connecting cool brands to cool consumers. There's nothing better than hearing the story behind how a big idea grew into a business. Now, we're bringing it online and inviting you to join in the conversation, whether you're watching or listening along from wherever you call home. I'll be hosting these fireside chats, intimate, personal looks at the inner workings of some of our favorite brands on our AF network. So, sit down, grab a whiskey or coffee or beer, and ride along as we shine the spotlight on real people and real stories. This is AF Fireside. Today's episode is brought to you by The Dairy Block, a vibrant, walkable micro-district in the heart of lower downtown Denver. Experience the Front Range's most inspiring retailers, food and beverage purveyors, and urban office concept alongside the Maven Hotel. Dairy Block, a distinctly crafted destination found. Hey, it is that time again where I sit down in an empty room and speak to myself to recap uh, this is our miniest of mini series on the outdoors, uh, but let's have some small talk first. How are you? Uh, I'm good. I feel like since the last time I sat down to do one of these, I have been all over the world. Um, I had an awesome week in Denver, Colorado at the Glamp AF event at Dairy Block. A lot of cool outdoor vendors. Got my first pair of Danner boots. Very outdoorsy of me. Uh, came back, spent a week up in rural Maine, a uh, little, little bit of off-the-grid time, queued up some episodes for y'all while I taught my dog how to play fetch into the water. Um, been a great summer so far, have loved hearing these stories uh, from brands that are kind of focused on all the stuff that I've been up to out in the world. Uh, so, as you know, the point here is to kind of recap some of the best thoughts, best one-liners, most quotable quotes of the last four brands that we spoke to. thought we had a pretty power player lineup. Um, I, was, I was really stoked for all these conversations with some pretty cool people that I had not, for the most part, spoken to before. Um, so let's dive in. I think, you know, I have a good time with these recaps, trying to come up with a little thesis, and this one was a little bit all over the place. Uh, the obvious thesis is the respect for the outdoors, and... Uh, kind of ties in line with the last topic of sustainability that we talked about. So I'm going to deviate away from that, and I'm going to focus a little bit deeper on the product side. Uh, if you have made it through 30-something episodes of this show, first of all, congratulations and thank you. Second of all, uh, you must have some commitment to the way that products are made, um, whether that's ethical or... Uh, tied to an interest in manufacturing or a small business. Um, there's a lot to learn, and I think that that's kind of been a, a really cool subplot of all the episodes that we've done so far in the series. So, without any further ado, let's jump in kind of at the top level. Alex Faraday was a new friend to me through the podcast. Uh, super familiar with Faraday brand. Kind of regard them as one of the kings of summer in the menswear niche. Uh, they're kind of got, got roots in surf aesthetic, so definitely considered outdoors, uh, different kind of outdoors than I am comfortable <laughs> putting myself into. I don't think I would do very well on a surfboard. I think I already look a little bit like a seal, so not doing that anytime soon, but I'm a sucker for a good pair of shorts. Sorry, I uh, hate to say it, but my favorite takeaway from talking with Alex was uh, a refresher. Uh, 
similar to every conversation we've had so far, I thought he really put it well, just what it means to be involved in the industry that he's involved in. And keep in mind, Alex is not an apparel guy by trade, so he's had to learn a lot. Let's hear what he has to say. Dude, it is hard. That yeah. is like the one word I will say. It, it is really hard. Um, I don't think I appreciated how much goes into one running a business and then how much goes into sure. to this business. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we got to design it, source it, make it, sell it, ship it, market it. Um, there's not that many businesses that have to do everything. Right. Um, and our businesses have to do all of it. Um, you know, and we took the route of kind of having retail, having wholesale, having online from the beginning. So it's sort of every channel adds, um, a level of complexity. So, you know, it's just, it's, it's a beast and you gotta love it and you gotta live and breathe it. Um, but at the same time, like, you know, for someone who like likes challenges and being pushed every day, like it's just been an amazing experience. And like, I definitely like wake up every day being like, I'm so freaking fortunate. Um, and I'm so happy I decided to do it. Sure. Yeah. Was there, was there ever a point where maybe that wasn't going to be, I know you, you guys had this dream. Was it ever looking like that wasn't going to happen? I think, it, I think it was always going to happen. I think Mike was always going to do this. I think there was definitely some, some thought, you know, I had a pretty good job in finance, like mm-hmm. a thought of like, you know, Mike can just do it. You know, I can keep having a good secure job and life will be just fine. Sure. Um, but then I think the closer it got to it happening and, and I think just our dynamic as twins and always talking about it, it was like, uh, I, I would never be able to live with myself if I, if I didn't do sure. it. Um, and then, you know, the first, the first three or four years, five years, I mean, it's hard. So lose up your moments. You're like, is this really like, is this, this is, a lot of easier ways to, to make a living. Sure. Uh, so that's where the, the, you know, the families, our whole family's involved in the business. I think that's been huge. Um, mm-hmm. My wife, my wife and my mom all were, we were all co-founders of the business together. Oh, cool. So, I mean, we live and breathe this together. I mean, yeah. it, adds, it adds complexities for sure, but this is our livelihood. Um, you know, this is what we do, this is who we are. So uh, I think that keeps us super, super psyched about it. Cool. So another conversation that I really enjoyed uh, was with Tom Sega from Duluth Pack. This guy has a lot of personality. He has a lot of charisma and he has a lot of passion for the company that he works for. Go back and listen to that episode to hear exactly kind of how he got involved. It is not your traditional uh, entry point story. Um, but as we get deeper into the concept of product design and kind of what that, what that looks like, uh, something that was echoed among all of these brands that I think Tom did a really great job of summing up was the commitment to quality. It's one of their core values. Uh, you see that all across the board. Quality is also one of those words though, that if you don't define it, if you don't set an expectation for what that means, then you're kind of up to what the market value is. So let's hear Tom define that in reference to his brand and how that shines through in the pride of his employees. This is a concept that might sound familiar to you if you listen to the Stormy Cromer episode back in, God, probably the first 10 episodes we did. But Tom says it best. Here you go. Number one starts with quality. Everything at Duluth Pack has to start and end with quality. And we have a saying here that 
anyone can call any product at any time for any reason and nobody gets in trouble because we've got to stick to that American quality and the quality that Duluth Pack was built upon. Our second core value is we build a premium product and we don't apologize for it. And the third one is made in America right here by our employees. And I know every one of them by first name. And it's, it's so fun to have a company that, that you know these, these awesome people that build these really cool bags we make. Not only do I know these people, but they came to us at one time and said, you know what? We love what we do so much. We love the quality of what we do so much. Can we sign the bags that we make? Hmm. And we figured out a way where we put a tag in it and it's a handcrafted tag underneath the American flag. If you lift it up, you look underneath there and you'll have a person's name and the date they made the bag. And that's, that's a testament to, to, you know, people going, I love what I do. I appreciate making quality enough that I want to put my name in it. All right. So if you have been around American Field, you probably know Mark, who's our founder. He's also the founder of Ball and Buck. And we went off the beaten path a little bit this series and talked about his other company, Ball and Buck. Um, And my big takeaway from that uh, was the way that he summarized their product design and product development, kind of like sequence of events. Uh, I, I knew a lot of bits and pieces of it just from kind of being in the periphery of the apparel world, but he really summed that up in, you know, bullet form essentially. So if you are a budding apparel uh, entrepreneur or are just interested, this would be the point to take out some notes. The product creation process is is, uh, a long and and, um, intricate one, but to me and with Ball and Buck, you know, we only make products if they need to be made better. So many times in the genesis of the founding of Ball and Buck, even years before we made our first button down shirt, for example, um, was born out of a frustration with the products I had purchased from other competitive brands in the market falling apart and failing. Um, We're not here to reinvent the wheel, we're here to make it better. Um, And so, for like our wax cotton jacket, for example, like I had owned the, all the other brands, like the British brand that everyone knows, the US brand that everyone knows. Uh, and those products literally disintegrated on my body within two years. And for me, that was really frustrating because I love the visual, I love the aesthetic, I love the, the, the performance factors and kind of being a good everyday, like, you know, wax jacket. But you know, the fact that it just falls apart and then when you call in, there's no one you can call. Uh, there's nowhere it can go. Like they're not repairing it. Um, they're not replacing or fixing it. It's just kind of like, okay, buy another one. And for me back then, I mean, even on a $400 jacket, it's like, that just doesn't make sense. And so the genesis in the beginning of the process for building a new product for, for us at Ball and Buck and I think for a lot of people is either disappointment or being let down by an existing product that just doesn't work. Mm-hmm. So you start with, okay, well, what of that product is good and what of it is, it is not good? Um, and take a analysis of the market and say, okay, here are the players, here's what's being made, this is what's working, this is what's not working. Then you go into pattern making. I mean, that's, that's the blueprint. That's when you take a three-dimensional garment and make it into two-dimensional. Um, and so we took 
similar products, not the same and said, okay, you know, I like how it fits through the body, but it's way too long or it's way too short or it's too full through the arm or it's dot, 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 right? You take, you know, you take what's there and you just work with a pattern maker who's basically a designer of 2D pattern, you know, clothing uh, to create a pattern. Once you have your master pattern, your core size, which for us is a size large, um, my size. You do. You hire a fit model. It's an actual model, um, and, and, it, and it's a different model than you'd think with uh, fashion models. It's not about you know having a pretty face. It's about having a very consistent body type build and not fluctuating your weight at all. So their okay. fit models hold their weight exactly on, which allows you to test your first prototype sample that's usually made out of like a muslin. So it's like a canvas, it's like an inner material, it's very low cost, but uh, telling fabric. Uh, you fit it on the, the garment, they stand on the block, they turn, they turn, you take pictures, you pin it, you adjust it, okay, then they make another pattern. And you do it again, then you make another, then you do it again. Once you get it to a dialed in version, then you make it in the exact fabric and spec that you're gonna make the final end. Usually you alter it again. Now you have like the final final. You take that pattern, which is typically on hard cardstock, and you alter that to being able to be made on like a marker, a digital marker. Um, there are companies that digitize these patterns. So you take your, your large, and then what you do is called grading. Grading is, is taking your large and making medium, small, extra small, extra large, double X, triple X. Then you sample all those, you test fit those, now you've got a product. Um, from that point forward, the only changes typically found are, are a few things. Number one, making a product production ready, meaning a lot of times pattern makers think of them as like bespoke one-off sculpture artists. How they're building something is gonna be different than you know, a produced at scale um, figurine you buy in a store, right? It's just, it's just different. So you tweak that slightly, you don't lose the value, but you, you make it scalable. Uh, and then fit and, and, and kind of shrink. So like with a wax cotton jacket, you're not washing it. So that's not a consideration. But for a button down, a 100% cotton button down, you are. So you, you, you do shrink testing where you wash a meter by meter square piece of material and you calculate the warp and weft shrink uh, of that and then compensate that into the grade. Then you go to production. So it's a, it's a big process. Sorry for the long-winded answer, but... Um, that's kind of what goes into each product that you make. And, and right now we've done that for 85 uh, master products. So it's, 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 pretty, it's pretty cool. And it's, it's certainly <laughs> a, big, a big undertaking per product if you wanna do it right. All right, and closing out this series actually was the first brand that we spoke to. One of my highest level kind of gold brands to talk to on the podcast. Uh, I spoke to Jed Rose, who is the founder of Topo Designs, one of my favorite companies out there. Uh, one thing that I really love about Topo is that I kind of discovered their product line and their ethos around the same time that I got interested in design concepts in the world of design in the, on my own. Um, Jed did a really awesome... He does everything awesome. But uh, he did a great job kind of summarizing how those two are married together for a company that I think sets an industry standard for product design um, and kind of gets in a little bit further to what exactly that means. So 
imagine Mike, well, you're going to listen to it, but imagine Mark's conversation, but geared specifically towards the aesthetic design part. I think there's something to be gained from that. I think overall, um, the, the design aesthetic and the, I, I think the design goal with the brand is really one around um, this idea of utility. So if you can do just about as much as possible with every single thing that we make, that's kind of our goal. We never really, I mean, outside of maybe we make a few things like a bike bag or a chalk bag or things that are very specific, but it turns out a lot of people use those things for other things too. And I think that's, what's been cool about the Tubbo community. We get, you know, people hitting us up like, Hey, look at my, you know, chalk bag as a water bottle holder that I've attached to my bike bag that's attached to my clutter sack or whatever, you know? So, um, I think overall the, the design goal with the company has always been one of those, um, uh, really utilitarian, really multi-purpose, really um, kind of like take it anywhere, do anything um, kind of goals that that I always had with it. I think the initial, um, my initial goal with with the the design for the brand was um, when I was outside. I was I always had this like outside kit on that um, I didn't love it functioned fairly well, but I always just felt like it looked horrible. And I just was kind of like, you know, not myself when, when I was outside, which was really a bummer because that, that was like my favorite thing to do ever. It still is. Um, so as soon as I got home, I would take all my outside crap off and put on like the clothes that I liked. Right. Right. And then I could feel good again and go do the things that I like to do. And like, you know, interact with people in a way that I felt good about. Sure. So, um, so yeah, I, I think for us, it's, it's like, why do you need to look crappy when you're outside or why do you need to be out of style when you're outside or why do you need to like have this kit that doesn't, um, you know, reflect who you are, um, when you're outside. So for ever, I would say that that's been the, the number one goal from the design side of the brand is like have stuff that looks good functions kind of in a lot of different environments and, you know, like really can be, um, I think reconfigured to fit you as an individual, um, mm -hmm. rather than us trying to completely dictate how you use the product and how you want it to look and how you want it to feel. So I'd say that's like, that's our number one goal on the design side and, and it stayed pretty true, um, to this day, but obviously, you know, we make like waterproof jackets and stuff now. So right. it's, it's not the super simple, uh, Judd selling in the basement kind of uh, approach that we have in the right. race. <laughs> well, and that's, that's good kind of general advice too. I think that you can apply that design mentality to apparel to just general kind of graphic right. design you know logo work branding like you, you know you, you have experience in uh any kind of product under the sun i think that that kind of s simplicity message first utility first right right that makes, yeah i think so there's a lot of stuff out there that's that's super uh super muddy and murky um, right exactly and i think you know the like one thing that i've learned um having done it for, you know, a decade now is that you do kind of need those rails on, um, on your brand as well as, you know, the design and the product side, um, just to make decisions quicker, I would sure. say, and keep it cohesive and, and make it feel like, 
um, it is true to itself over time. And I think the, the rails don't have to be um, so restrictive that you don't change and you, you become stagnant, right? Like that's bad. But at the same time, I think you need to have something um, that people kind of can come to you and know that when they get there, they're going to see what they expect. And hopefully, you know, you'll evolve and kind of, you know, not be stuck in the high school football player mentality for the rest of your life, but uh, you'll become a, you know, a, a more interesting human being every sure. time um, sure. the year passes, but people still like, you know, can really uh, feel comfortable and pick up the conversation where it left off. Alrighty. Well, that is another recap, another collection, another mini series in our belts. I am going to warm up some Chinese food that I got the other night and eat it. Um, I hope that you enjoyed this series. Thought this was a good one for summer. We're touching uh, touching the final month of the summer, at least in my book. Uh, and we're moving on to a new category next week. Where we'll be speaking to some of our friends in the world of brick and mortar retail. A couple of really awesome stores, a couple of legends, uh, you know, modern legends in the world of retail. Um, it's something that I find super interesting, and I know that if you're listening to this, you probably think really cool stores are really cool too. So I hope you will sit down, buckle up, and join us again next week as always. Cool. Uh, find me on Insta at LucasCFitz. Find us uh, on Insta as well at shopaf.co. And we'll talk again soon. Take care. I'm Lucas Fitz, and this is AF Fireside. To learn more about all the brands featured on the podcast, check out fireside.shopaf.co. And don't forget to subscribe to us on your streaming platform of choice. Thanks for listening. Today's episode is brought to you by The Dairy Block, a vibrant, walkable microdistrict in the heart of lower downtown Denver. Experience the Front Range's most inspiring retailers, food and beverage purveyors, and urban office concept alongside the Maven Hotel. Dairy Block, a distinctly crafted destination found.